What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. If you're in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you face-to-face on a Wednesday night at our main Park West campus. Make sure to check us out on social media at Oasis PWC to stay up to date on everything going on here so that you can get plugged in and join the Oasis family. I hope that you enjoy this week's message. Let's jump in. I'm so excited that you're here. If it's your first time here, welcome home. This is a place where you can encounter the love of God with people that love God and love each other. And truly, I'm so excited that you're spending Wednesday night with us. This year, we believe that God has given us a word for 2021. And you've heard me say it every week so far this year. Who can tell me what our word is for this year? Progress. There it is. This year, we're going to make some progress. I believe in your individual life, your specific life, and your family, and your school, and your work, and your whatever, that God is bringing progress to you this year. Last year felt like running uphill both ways a lot of times, but this year, I believe God has given us an anointing specifically for our group and for you specifically as an individual that this is going to be a year of progress. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, tonight we are going to finish our sermon series on our just our vision month series. And it is the most important message of the series. So turn to your neighbor and say, listen up. Oh, no, like you really mean it. You better say, hey, listen, take some notes or something. You need this. This is important. This is where we're going for the rest of the year. You don't want to miss tonight's message. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have any idea what that book is, you automatically went, why in the world are we going to that book? To give you some context, we're going to be in chapter three while you turn there. The kind of context of what's going on, if you've ever heard of King David, he's the guy that killed the giant with the stone, right? Well, his son Solomon grows up and becomes king. When Solomon becomes king, he prays to God that God will give him wisdom to lead the Israelites. And God is so pleased with this desire that he not only gives him crazy wisdom, but he gives him crazy wealth. And the Bible says that Solomon is the wisest man to have ever lived. Solomon would write three books of the Bible. Most scholars believe that he wrote the Song of Solomon and then Proverbs and then the book of Ecclesiastes. And they believe he wrote it in that order, that Song of Solomon was written when he was much younger. If you have not read it, I dare you to go read it. It is definitely the PG-13 passage in the Bible. If you don't know, you just don't know. And if you do know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Go home and read it for yourself. We'll do that series on a whole other time. But the second book that scholars believed that he wrote was The book of Proverbs, kind of in the middle of his life, God has given him this wisdom and he offers that to the world with all these parables and just words of wisdom. Then when he gets older in age, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. It's famous for being depressing. The opening passages are, well, the world is meaningless, like it's all meaningless. And it just starts on a great note and just moves forward from there. But he has come to a place where he has all the wisdom in the world, more wealth than he needs, everything he could ever want. And then he writes this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 22 says, so I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to work. Turn to the other neighbor you didn't like as much. Tell them you need to get to work too. (laughs) That's the title for tonight's message is get to work. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy. I thank you that this is a place where we can um, build friendships, build relationships, do life together, 
and to encounter the love of God in the, in the process. So God, I ask tonight that we would be transformed by you, that when we leave here, we would know you better, we would think more like you, and we would be transformed by you and have five extra friends in the process. And everybody said, amen. amen. Where are my movie lovers in the room? Like you just, you're just, listen, I'm the movie lover that would make an awful critic because I just love movies. I love the experience. I love to shut my brain off. I tell Livy all the time that it's been a big day. Life has been crazy. I'm going to my nothing box. All my guys in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All the women in the room, you have no idea what I'm talking about because it's just two completely different brains. But in my world, I'm like, I'm zoned out. I'm gone. I can turn the movie on and I'm in it. I'm that guy. I'm that character. The action stuff is happening. I can't tell you how many times I was a spy or something growing up for Halloween because that was just my thing. I love the action movies. I love the comedies. Sometimes I'm even all right with the romantic comedy. I just love movies. Well, a couple years ago, I met an older guy in our church that is sweet as can be, that is a mentor of some of our young men that loves movies even more than I do. And he invited a group of us to go to the movies. So he takes us to the pinnacle and we walk in and because he's just incredible, he's like, listen, snacks are on me. I got you. Whatever you want, snacks are on me. So one by one, we're all lining up. You thought we were 10 year olds. Dad's taking us to the movie. Like we're so excited. The first guy comes up. He's like, I want a large popcorn and a large Dr. Pepper. Thank you, sir. And the next person comes up and he says, I would actually like to have a large Coke and a popcorn and give me some gummy worms. So then we move forward and it's my turn. It's my turn. And at the time I had just stopped drinking soda. This wasn't my thing. So I'm going through the line and I'm looking at the little cooler off to the side. It's not even really on the menu, right? It's in the cooler off to the side and there's this vitamin water sitting in there. I'm like, man, that's what I I'm going to give me one of those. And I said it to the man that was buying the snacks. I said, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to get a vitamin water. And he looked at me like I was the craziest person on the planet. Like he literally, he was judging me so strong. He's like, we're at the movies. We're going to be on the roller coaster in a second with the Coca-Cola cup. Like, you're not going to get a soda. I'm like, no, I just want a vitamin water. I kid you not. Years later, this last weekend, I'm at Homeboy's house. And he points at his fridge to make sure that I know he doesn't just have soda. He also has Gatorade and other things because he knows that I'm into, you know, other stuff. And, uh, and I, it was so funny that that silly first impression stuck with him for so long. Sometimes first impressions can be hysterical and can last forever. Sometimes they're a little bit more intense. This week, I'm really trying to do a better job of inviting people to church. How many of us like, that's just, we struggle with it, right? It's just real. It's awkward, especially right now with COVID and all the crazy things. Walking up to a stranger is really like, whoa, what are you doing? Whoa, whoa, you're in my bubble, like, whoa. But this week I was sitting at a coffee shop, um, typing out some sermon stuff, sending some emails, and uh and I, I had like set in my heart, I was going to invite at least two people to church before I left this coffee shop. So now I'm like sniping. Like I'm looking, there's people everywhere. Some people wearing masks, some people not wearing masks, some people drinking coffee, some just drinking water. And I'm like really watching people and half doing work and trying to decide who, who's, who, who, who's come to church with me on Sunday, right? Like that's, that's where my head is at. I walk up to this poor girl, like, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And she gave me that look like, who are you? I'm in public. You're not wearing a mask. Why are we talking right now? Like all the, I watched a thousand things go through her head, right? She's like, yeah, actually I do go to church. And from that point on, the conversation was great, right? I gave her a little Oasis invite card in case she didn't have a college ministry. We talked about church for a minute and I get out of there, go back to my computer and take a deep breath. The adrenaline comes down and whatever. Now for her later on, I'm thinking about how funny that must've been. 
this random dude in some skinny jeans rolling up at the coffee shop. Like, hey, do you go to church anywhere? She's like, hey, leave me alone, right? Like, but that first impression, even for her, if I ever see her again, she's gonna remember that that weird dude in the skinny jeans during COVID and all that stuff came up and asked her if she went to church somewhere. Sometimes first impressions are of the silliest, most random thing. Sometimes they are really meaningful and they last forever. Well, our main passage tonight, we're gonna be in Luke chapter five. Our main passage tonight is awesome because it's a first impression for Jesus with a couple men that are about to be his disciples and just don't know it yet. So in Luke chapter five, I'm gonna start in verse one. We're gonna read for a minute and then we're gonna break it down. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of, who wants to pronounce that? Yeah, yeah. He was standing standing by the lake. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down the nets for catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Now, my awkward moment at the coffee shop has nothing on this one. They have been fishing all day long. There's the two boys in this boat and their friends in the other boat. They've been out here all day. It's their livelihood. And they come back to shore because they've not caught a thing. If I had worked the entire day and not had anything to show for it, I'm not exactly happy by the time I get back to the shore. They come back, they get out of the boats, they've got their nets out, and they're literally washing them, right? They're putting up for the night. They're clearing everything out. But when they're pulling the boats back up to shore, they see this random guy teaching this massive group of people. And you have to be thinking, he wasn't here when we left. (laughs) What's going on? And then you look back from washing your net and you realize that he's standing in your boat. He's literally just stepped over into Simon's boat. He says, hey, can, uh, can we push this thing out into the water a little bit? And again, if I'm Simon, what? (laughs) I'm kind of tired going home, but everybody's listening. We'll give it a minute. We'll we'll see what's happened. Let's push the boat out. And in this one moment, Jesus accomplishes two things. One, he gets a better platform to be able to see all the people on on the land, but at the same time, he gets much closer to Peter. To Simon Peter, he's able to sit down right next to him in his boat. And as he's teaching them publicly, he's maybe even more importantly teaching him privately on a way more intimate level then all of a sudden Jesus has finished teaching and he looks back at Peter and he says let's uh let's go fish some more let's push this thing back out and again as you can imagine Peter's like man I just rinsed these nets off I ain't about it whatever he says but because you say so clearly there's something going on here all these people listening to you and whatever you got in my boat okay because you say so sure let's push the boat out 
So they go, and like the story says, they catch so many fish that they have to invite the other boat up, and then they catch so many fish that both boats are about to sink. And in this moment, Peter realizes Jesus has to be a lot more than just some guy talking. Peter would go on to follow Jesus, not just Peter, but his brother and the other two. And in this one moment, this one interaction, they completely commit their lives to follow this man that turns history upside down. But it all started with one moment when Jesus got in Peter's boat. Turn to your neighbor and say, get in the boat. No, 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 like you mean it, like you're not afraid of the water, like you like going to the lake. Say to your neighbor, get in the boat. One of my favorite quotes, if you've been here a minute, you've probably heard me say it, it's Teddy Roosevelt. It's nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. In this moment, Jesus somehow miraculously, simultaneously teaches a massive crowd publicly while showing Peter that he cares about his everyday life. Peter has just put all this stuff away and of all the people he could have called on, he gets in Peter's boat. And he doesn't just leave him with this moment of teaching and he could have. He could have just let Peter listen to the miraculous words that he's speaking, right? That would have been more than enough. But he goes on to speak directly to his livelihood, to speak directly to his situation. He got in Peter's boat. Are you willing to get in the boat? That is one of the hardest, let let me be straight, that's one of the hardest things about our faith, in my opinion is being willing to actually get in the boat with somebody you're normally not going to get in the boat with. Right, Livy and I, over the summer, we had an opportunity to go tubing in a buddy's boat. That's one thing. Friends throw you around. My back still hurts a little bit because I got tossed off the tube pretty strong. But it's one thing to, to get in the boat with Trevor, to, to get in the boat with Dylan, to say, man, let's, let's go get some coffee. Let's talk some things out. Let's have a moment. But are we willing to get in the metaphorical boat with people that we don't know? And maybe even better question, what is your priority? I'll reword that. What is my priority? In the Gospel of Matthew, one of the scriptures that we read the most in this ministry is Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, somebody say treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'll ask it a little differently. Not just where is your priority, where is your treasure? Last week, I found a new hobby. It's literally the greatest thing ever, and I am incredibly addicted to it. Where are my DoorDash people in the house? Anybody drive DoorDash or like you've ordered DoorDash or whatever? Please keep ordering DoorDash because you're helping the rest of us make a living. I don't understand why it's so addicting, but I started DoorDash last weekend, and here's how bad it is. I had a goal. I wanted to make $100. I was like, man, I'm going to figure this out. Now, most of the time when people start, it's actually pretty hard. You're figuring it out. You're trying to make sense of how to use this craziness. So $100 is like, that's a pretty solid goal for the weekend. Just all my free time, I'm going to go DoorDash. It's going to be great. I'm going to make $100. Y'all, I doubled it because I was so excited about DoorDash. You know why? 
because your boy's got to get a new TV for the living room. I just bought a new sound bar, and it's a different brand than my TV. And some of y'all are judging me so strong right now. But because it doesn't work with the sound bar automatically, we have three different remotes that I got to use to watch TV in the living room. And if that's not bad enough, my dad bought a new TV, and it's bigger than mine. So there's the real situation. That's the real issue. Let's just be real about it. So I'm trying to save up to buy a new TV. And half of you understand, really it's the guy half, understand. But I'm so excited about getting this new TV. So I went out and I door dashed and I made a hundred bucks and I was like, man, I'm gonna keep going. I'm just gonna stay clocked in. I'm gonna keep going. I got up to $200 in a weekend. I spent so much time driving my truck around, delivering weird random foods to weird random people. And I don't understand why it's so addicting because it's so unbelievably awkward. I'm going to restaurants that a lot of times I've never been before. I'm pulling in with my mask on, having to carry three cups and two bags of food back out to the truck. I get to the truck, I pull up this address and it's taking me to the most random places ever. There was one place over the weekend I rolled up in the sketchy part of town and I get, I get out and I'm carrying all this food up to the door and I knock on the door and I kid you not, this old lady says, come in. <laughs> I did not sign up for that. So I literally, I, I like holding all this stuff. I opened the door and slowly kicked it off. I was like, DoorDash. <laughs> I got your Chipotle. And she said, oh, <laughs> like, like she was expecting company or something. She said, oh, sorry, that's totally fine. Come on in. But listen, I'm totally okay to DoorDash for hours to make $200 in really awkward conversations and really awkward moments because I want this TV so bad. And there's nothing wrong with that except I'm totally comfortable dealing with all of the uncomfortability of awkward moments, weird conversations, and hard situations to get a TV, but I'm not to get somebody to heaven. Full confession mode. I dealt with it all weekend so that I could just buy a stupid new TV. But I'm so unwilling to suffer the same thing for someone's eternal destiny. Let me be real. That is a serious issue. That says that, and I know you don't deal with that, right? Like you, you got it all figured out. You're fine. I'm talking about me. For me, that says my treasure's in the wrong place. That TV is going to be great and it's going to be awesome and y'all can come watch a movie, but it's not coming with me to heaven. What's my priority? Where is my treasure? Last year, around this time, we did a, like a six-week sermon series called Treasure Hunting. And many of you will remember it because we brought this thing out. Your boy went to Hobby Lobby and bought this adorable little chest. And in said chest, we put like 200 index cards. We laid them all throughout the room, in the altar, um, in the back of the room, all over the place. And when I say like 200, I mean like 200. <laughs> I had everybody write down names of loved ones that, that either hadn't been in church in a while or needed to go to church desperately or did not know the Lord. And then for the next few weeks, we would lay them out on the floor all throughout the room. And during every service, we would actually go around 
And everybody would pray for five, six, seven names so that they were actually interceding on behalf of other people's family members. And for six weeks, we wrote down over 200 names. There are 29 people in the room right now. And I say that with remorse and conviction in my own heart. Because I can spend a weekend to buy a TV. Oh, but God help me. I know that 2020 was so crazy. Listen, we did this in January, February, right? We were ready to take the world and then March happened and bah, we all just got knocked out for the foreseeable future. 2020 was incredibly ridiculous, but these people didn't go anywhere. And man, I'm looking at the names I wrote down and wondering if I've even called them in the last six months. Uh, God, I don't treasure what you treasure at the level that I should. And that's heavy, church. That's heavy. And I know it feels like a punch in the face to some degree tonight. I'm glad you came for encouragement. But when we sing songs like, God, there's no place I'd rather be set a fire down in my heart that I can't contain and I can't control, what that looks like when your heart starts to line up with his is this. It looks like going out in public and thinking, man, how can, how can I see these people around me the way that you do? I don't want to just door dash. I don't, I don't want to just see strangers as somebody I can make $10, $12 off of to buy a bougie TV for my living room because I'm high maintenance. I want to see people the way that he sees people, love people the way that he loves people. I want to operate and have conversations in a way that just, oh, man, what do I treasure? What do I value? Where is my priority? So this year, I text our pastors Monday. I said, it's crazy, um, and it seems so like, duh, but I'm setting a personal goal to invite five people a week to church. You know how hard that is? <laughs> I'm like four days into this, I've invited three people, and all three conversations have been hysterical. But I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Here's what I want to do. We're going to change some culture, church. We're going to get back to a place of this being our treasure, of this being what is most important. Sunday morning, Pastor Jeremy in the main sanctuary, he shared this statistic that according to U-Haul's data from last year, we were the number seven place in the country of one-way U-Haul rentals in 2020, which means that according to U-Haul statistic, we were the number seven city in the country that people moved to last year. There are a ton of people, not just here that are unchurched, that are broken, that are lost, but that literally moved here. Are you going to get in the boat? Am I, again, it starts here. Am I willing to get in the boat with a stranger? To show them the love that I have so freely been shown by a man that died for me. I drove through Dunkin' Donuts on the way here and not at all out of like trying to toot my own horn. <laughs> but this random girl is giving me my coffee and I've got my little Oasis invite card, right? And I said, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And she was like, like literally, she looked behind her. She goes, me? Yeah, do you, do you go to church anywhere? She goes, no, not me. Hair, all kinds of colors, whatever. I'm like, well, why not? Literally, that's what I said. I said, why not? She said, it's just not my style. I said, 
All right. Well, here, check out our social media. At least do that. Check out our Instagram. You don't even have to come. Just do that for me. She smiled. She said, okay. Okay. Because I'm just desperately trying to step in the boat. This year, I believe God has called us to progress. Progress in mental health. Progress in your calling, in your future, and what God has called you to do as an individual. But most importantly, progress in the kingdom. We live in a city that is so ready for Jesus. And you will be surprised how many people will say yes if you invite them. Will you stand with me? Our opening passage of scripture tonight is from the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to read it one more time. He says, so I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. Say, get to work. Oh, like he didn't just get hit in the face. (laughs) Say, get to work. The wisest man in history, after living this long life, having everything he could have ever wanted, he had TVs much bigger than I'm going to get. After having everything he could have ever wanted, He writes to say, listen, you just got to enjoy the work God has given you to do. And I don't care if you don't know where you're supposed to be in 10 years. God will reveal that in time because this is the work that he's referring to. Enjoy the calling to love people. So let's love people. Let's get to work. Let's get in the boat and let's make progress this year. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much that you loved us that much. That you got in my boat when I didn't deserve it. And God, there were times when I I took that boat places it shouldn't have been. And you stayed in the boat. You loved me through it. And you got me where I am now. You're going to keep loving me now to where you've got got me going next and God maybe that's the key maybe we got to take a minute and just thank you and remember where we we have been where we could be but because of the love of Jesus and because you got in our boat we get to be transformed we get to be loved we get to have a family and a future so God as humble and um, as honestly kind of scared as I am to pray it I pray that you will help me be heartbroken even more. If I'm awkwardly crying in public, so be it. Give me weird first impressions, God. Just help me love people. Help us love people. That progress would look like a city on fire for Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen.